You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is Thursday, May 27th, and we've got a special guest here with us today. Breaking things down with me is none other than Brooke Pryor of ESPN. Day two of Steelers OTAs is in the books Wednesday, so that means Thursday is day three. I want to get Brooke's thoughts on some of the things that we've seen so far. We'll talk about the offensive line of the Steelers and where Kevin Dotson sees Adrian Clem changing things. Then we'll talk about the national media narrative going on with the Steelers. Brooke is part of the national media, so we'll talk about that. And then finally, we'll talk about how the personalities of the Steelers can continue to excite fans, even in just their first few interviews with the team. And as always, you can subscribe to the Lockdown Steelers podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the app Odyssey. Be sure to rate us five stars with a positive comment, and you get a shout out at the end of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com has an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com today and tell them that Locked On sent you. Let's get into it. On occasion, we get some big name guests up on this show. On occasion, not always, not always. You know, Jenna Hunter, big name. Dion Pietro, not so much. I'm, I'm not messing with my man, Dean. But today, we've got Brooke Pryor, the Brooke Pryor of ESPN, right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. We are we 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 got we had her on before the draft. She gave us her mock draft, and we got to talk that now. You know, she's at OTAs covering things. Brooke, first of all, it's great to have you back on the pod. How you doing with OTAs starting back up and everything? I am out of shape. And by that, <laughs> I mean, I'm out of shape in many ways. But, like, I'm out of standing shape. Like, practice was supposed to go until 1130 on the first day. I'm out there. I can feel my feet kind of hurting because I'm in leather sandals like an idiot. And PR comes around. I'm like, hey, like, how, how much time do we have left? Like, I think this is supposed to wrap up around 11:30, and they go, oh no, we're going until noon. I was like, that is a <laughs> mental, that is a mental battle that I now have to fight with myself because I was, I was ready for like an hour and a half of standing. I did not wear footwear to be standing for two hours. So, my goodness. Adjusted the second day, I'll be okay for the third. And it's also something else to remind y'all, because some people are like, what do you mean? You get to watch the Steelers practice. But it's like, guys, 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 it's OTAs. They're not hitting. There's there's not nearly as much team stuff going on. And you can't even report on it, by the way. Like, Brooke can't even say when Ben Roethlisberger's throwing the football in practice that Ben Roethlisberger's throwing the football in practice because of Steelers policies. So, like, it is is a grind to to get through. (laughs) <laughs> I would love to tell you how good Dwayne Haskins looks, but instead I can just tell you that a quarterback wearing number three has <laughs> shown some pretty good zip on the ball in some of his practices. That's uh, <laughs> that, that's how this game works. But the things that we can talk about are what the players say after the practices in their Zooms. And what came across to me Wednesday as – probably the most exciting things that I heard as far as players, you know, Alex Highsmith said some things and he, he's recently engaged, but Kevin Dotson and everyone's wondering what's going on with the Steelers offensive line. Are they going to be able to run block this year? There's no Marquise Pouncey. Villanova is gone. You know, they got to get it. They, they, they got to get this guy. They got to get that guy, Zach Banner. Can he even play? We don't know. Kevin Dotson. I thought the most interesting thing he was talking about was Adrian Clem and how 
he basically, I guess, took up the the the, the mantle of of Marshawn Lynch when he when he asked, "What's your what's your philosophy on running the football?" And then Marshawn Lynch says, "Run through a face." And that's what when Kevin Dotson was asked, "What's the difference between Adrian Clem and Sean Sarrett, the Steelers' old offensive line coach, who's no longer with the team?" Um, and he was like, "Oh, Adrian Clem is intense." And, and and I said Sean wasn't, but we're being told to run through guys' faces and other things they can't say. Brooke, when he, he said that, I was like, oh, okay, oh my, that's a little that's different. Yeah, that that definitely caught my attention because that is, I think, what this team was missing last year. Like in some ways, you look at the line, they had to be self-starters if they weren't getting that like super aggressive coaching in the meeting room and in some ways it's harder to do that when you're virtual when you're distance whatever you know but no excuses if, if one guy's saying set a block and the other guy's yelling like I want you to destroy this man and like just using these verbs that I mean words matter you know and how you say it matters and when you're trying to hype up a bunch of like very large humans mm-hmm. maybe being more descriptive and saying what you want them to go out and do especially when it's a younger line, when you have some guys that are in unfamiliar roles, you're like, you don't need to tell Marquise Pouncey to go out there and destroy a guy. Like he's, he's going to do that. And I think that, you know, they all want to do that, but I almost like giving them permission in some ways doing that or encouraging and saying, this is what we want from you tells them like, yeah, you know what? I am going to go out and do that. And I was talking with Duke Manyweather who trains a bunch of these guys. He, in the offseason pre-draft, he did uh, Kendrick Green and Dan Moore, and he works with Kevin Dotson. He works with top linemen across the country come into Dallas to train with him. And he said, you know, the one thing that this line is not going to have to worry about is having a nastiness and an edge. And it's not that, you know, Adrian Klim said draft night that they were going to look to Kendrick Green to set the tone and lead by example. And I asked Duke about that, and he was like, I don't buy into, like, the lead by example thing. What I do buy into is a team continuing to draft players that fit a certain kind of mold. And that's what they've done is adding these young guys who all kind of have this mean streak that, you know, maybe some of the linemen last year had, but it just faded, wasn't quite as strong as it had been in the past. So all of a sudden now you've got these young guys that are more invigorated. I thought it was interesting that Kevin Dotson mentioned that Clem is the one that was working with a lot of the younger linemen last year. They have more familiarity with him. I just think that Adrian Clem is the right guy to lead this kind of new look line, which, I mean, Kevin Dotson said, we don't know who the leader is going to be. We don't know when that's going to emerge, who's going to take the pouncy role. It, it might take one to two games where I talked to Duke. He said it could take seven or eight games for this whole line to mold, but I think that they are going in the right direction based on the tone that is being set from the top down and looking at how they're drafting. I think it's going to be a really cohesive unit eventually. That, that's what this is going to come down to is cohesiveness and, and understanding how each other are want to play because, and for those who think like, Oh, don't offensive linemen, aren't they already just nasty? They have to block. They have to hit every play. Uh, let me, let me explain just, and again, this isn't professional. When I was in high school, I, I, I always thought like, I'm a nice person. Uh, in, in general right and, and um and when I, when I played football I, I knew I had to be mean but I, I didn't know what it meant to be mean until someone like I because I would block a guy but when I blocked the guy I like if I knocked him over I would just be like all right he's out he's done let's go get somebody else but 
like it took until like my like late my junior year when like one of my coaches that like, gripped me up and was like you need to want to kill people and it wasn't until then i was like oh like not care about their well-being cool and that was when i became a, a, a team captain and i was like okay and it, it's sort of that nastiness that i talk about that a core four needed in west in west michigan like a lot of times he would get a guy he'd block them he'd do his job but he wouldn't have the the i need to knock this over and make them quit i need to break them and not like break their leg like you know we're not talking vontez perfect here we're talking just you want to mentally break them exactly like physically dominate them and do everything you can and let them know that they are never going to beat you know how how hard they try and that's the mentality that i hear from kevin dodson talking about adrian clem and to be honest I always thought Kevin Dotson, like, like from all his tape last year, when I looked at him in college, that's his mentality in the first place. So it seemed to him, he's like, uh, well, this is how I want to play. So we're good here. Uh, but it, I think it's Brooke, it's, it's important for the Steelers. You know, they're, they're in a, a state of flux with its offensive line a state of flux. They hadn't been in, they spent five years at one point in the last decade with the same five starters for five straight. That doesn't happen in the NFL anymore. And now they got, Maybe Kendrick Green or B.J. Finney is the starter at center. Kevin Dotson at left guard. David DeCastro at right guard. Maybe Zach Banner. Maybe a core four at other tackles. Maybe Carl Haig or Dan Moore. Like, there's so many pieces that we don't know what's going on, but they, they want to be able to establish this tone that is going to change the narrative of what the Steelers' offense is about because they weren't about that last season. Right, exactly. I think when you say there's a difference between doing your job and then – destroying people to me that's the difference between Sarah and Clem like Sarah was doing his job he was the offensive line coach he was you know saying this is what you need to do here here's you know our scheme whatever Clem is doing the same thing but he's doing it with this extra like meanness and nastiness that you need to me the biggest question I see still are the tackles and Mm -hmm. you know you hope that Banner is the guy at right tackle I'm not sold on chooks at left i i don't see the nastiness there yet and maybe that's just because when we deal with him outside of you know off the field i i just haven't seen a switch flip like to me Mm. he's just a nice guy he does his job but i'm not seeing him take away like not a will to live because that is just far too violent but like i haven't seen him be the nasty that you need to see that you want out of a left tackle and he hasn't been in that position yet that was Al last year so maybe mm-hmm. he rises to the occasion but remember Banner beat him out for the job mm-hmm. in training camp he only gets to be right tackle because Banner tears his ACL in week one I think that Banner can flip that switch it would not shock me if the Steelers ended up signing another tackle in this kind of whatever wave of free agency we're on now um because I do think that they need some help or at least some veteran to come in this year but I I do think that long term this team is going to be okay because of the tone that's being set it just might be kind of ugly early on as guys are figuring out roles as there's some kind of shuffling as there's some settling into the new normal um but I do think that it seems to to me at least that the transition from the old line that, like you said, was there for a long time. They had five years, same starters. I think that that transition is going to go more smoothly than it could have because of how they formulated the line and the way that they've changed the coaching staff to help them kind of go through this 
transitional period. Now, I agree. I think that, that, you know, they didn't go get a first and second round offensive uh, pair of offensive linemen. They got a third and fourth. And doing that, that doesn't mean that these guys can't become dominant offensive linemen in the NFL. Heck, Kevin Dotson himself is a fourth rounder, and everyone's really excited to see this guy flourish. But it, do, but it does mean that, like, hey, you're going to need to work with what you have. And in doing so, you're going to need a new philosophy. And like you said, there's a switching of the philosophy and that takes time. That takes teaching and not just teaching. It's going to take them, them going through some battles together. You know, the Steelers offensive line that was highly revered through most of the 2010s. It didn't start off that way. Marquise Pouncey, you know, when he was drafted, he was great, but he was in the middle of an offensive line that needed a complete rebuild. And even like, like on, there was the first play, I think I want to say it was of 2013 or 2014 when it was like the first series and David DeCastro tried to cut block an opponent and accidentally cut block Marquise Pouncey and tore his ACL for the season. Like, like that's not that, what you want. Not, no, no, that's not, not the idea. That's not the play call, Dave. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's like you, and it's, most Steelers fans probably forget about that because they're like, well, David DeCastro, he's just been an elite lineman for so long. So it takes time to gel. And I'm not saying that Kendrick Green or anyone's going to take out anyone's ACLs. I'm just saying that there's gelling and chemistry that needs to be built. And it's going to take time to get there. But again, that's why they got a running back because a lot of times a running back can make things easier for an offensive line. We got to cut to a quick break here. When we come back, I want to keep talking to Brooke. I got some questions for her, for her colleagues at ESPN. There's going to be some interesting talk here because I know you Steelers fans out there want to hear this. But first, we got to talk to our friends at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all... Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, locked on in their how did you hear about us section so that they can know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter here with Brooke Pryor of ESPN, the Steelers beat writer for that for, for that amazing organization. Now, okay, I want to talk to you, Brooke, because Steelers fans have had it. They don't understand why the national media is out to get the Steelers. And I say the national media because Brooke Pryor at ESPN works for... The national media. And... That's uh, you know, it Brooke, you know, I'm not I'm not painting you the label of you know the Mike Tannenbaums of the world who say that uh that Ben Roethlisberger is the, the fourth best quarterback in the AFC North, but this has been a theme for at least two years now, where there has been a discounting of the Steelers effect. And heck, we had Cam Hayward, he went off on it about on, on about this Tuesday, talking about like I don't understand you're ranking all these quarterbacks who've never done anything over a two-time Super Bowl champion who's been here and and you, you just won the division and all these other things. 
you know, Brooke, I, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't, I'm not trying to put you on a spot here, but I am trying to get a sense of what's your opinion when you hear, like, there was a panel, including former Steeler Ryan, Ryan Clark, who unanimously said Steelers not even in playoff, playoff contention this year. They're third, third best in the AFC North. They're missing the playoffs this year. But it's like, I, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't see that with this team, a team that finished 12 and four They're They had the worst running game in the NFL. If you look back over the last 11 seasons, the, like the average record of a team that finished dead last in rushing was like five and 11, six and 10. And they were 12 and four. And now, you know, and they still have a majority of their defense. They, they're having their, their receivers get back. They got Najee Harris. They're trying to rework their offensive line. Where do you stand among your colleagues that, you know, the, of those who kind of go at the Steelers in that manner? I mean, it's a tough thing. I am not, I have never been good at predicting how I think a team is going to do in May when we're seeing shorts and t-shirts and like <laughs> guys not even here, you know, but, but I know that we also need content to get through the off season. Like how else are we going to get through if we're not arguing who's going to finish in what place in the division and where, and where Ben is ranked as, you know, the quarterback in the division. I will say that when the schedule came out, I think I predicted the Steelers would lose their last four games and miss the playoffs. And that's looking at, you know, they're playing what the Titans, the Browns, the Ravens and the Chiefs are their last four. I mean, if you're those looking two, at those what are, those, those are four playoff teams right there, that's really tough. And you look at the way that the schedule shook out last year with the Steelers and they dropped, you know, what, five of their last six regular season games mm-hmm. um, and just really went over a cliff. And you hope that the team doesn't do that again, obviously, if, if you're a fan, but I'm looking at it from a realistic point of view, that's kind of where things went south last year. And they were able to start off with, you know, such a strong start that it didn't matter that they went over the cliff. They were still able to make the playoffs. I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to get off to the undefeated start that they got off to last year. I agree with that, yeah. You know, so I think that I, I don't want to say I'm pessimistic about the Steelers because I will say, look, when you look at Ben Roethlisberger, I understand that they're you look at the stats, I mean, he threw four interceptions in the playoff game, and it, it was just bad all the way around. The Bengals lost. Horrible. He had some real clunkers there at the end. To me, the stat that indicates that he is not done is looking at the average air yards per attempt. And it actually went up by two yards over the last, I think, four or five games. I have it in a story somewhere where it went up by a couple yards through that. And he was showing he could still stretch the ball down the field. To me, that's saying like the elbow isn't the problem here. I mean, maybe his knees are hurting, body's aching, the wear and tear of a long season. The elbow is okay. So all of these jokes about Ben can't get it down the field. And I think I saw pro football focus tweet, like Ben's working on the deep pass and it was him throwing these little short routes to Najee in practice today. Mm -hmm. Like, that I don't buy. Like, right. is he as accurate as he used to be? No, but I don't think that he's washed in the sense of like he can't get the ball down the field. Like, like he like can't breeze last year. Right. Like I, I still think that there's some juice left there. I also think that they needed the Matt Canada offense throughout the entire season. Once they went away from that, and when Ben took complete control of the offense, that's when you saw. I mean, t- to me, it is an issue when you have. I think it was what Marlon Humphrey saying that he heard Ben telling the receivers the routes before the snap, and like that's not going to happen this year because there's going to be fans in the stands. But you can't run an offense an entire season that way and expect to have success. That that just can't happen. So, I 
I still kind of think the Steelers are going to miss the playoffs. Bro, what? Because they are missing some pieces. Whoa. Um, I know, I know, I know. But it's it's May. <laughs> like, it's May. So it's many May. things can happen. Right. But I look at, you know, you don't have Bud Dupree. He is incredibly important to that defense. I agree. Um, You know, yes, you got Juju back and, and Claypool's back. I still think that looking at the other quarterbacks in the AFC North, I I hear what Cam Hayward is saying that we're willing to discount Ben over guys who haven't done anything yet. I think that they're that the other quarterbacks in the division have a higher ceiling than Ben has right now. Well, absolutely, and they're all younger. <laughs> right, so that makes it tougher, especially when you're going into a 17 game season. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to want to ride with with Ben through 17 games versus Joe Burrow, even though he he hasn't played a complete season. Um, but I, I think that this team is going to be on the bubble for a playoff spot. I don't think it's going to be a complete collapse and they, you know, only win three games or something like that. I think that it's going to be an interesting season and we're going to like, they're going to be in the playoff conversation, but it may come down to right at the end when they need to win, you know, a couple of those last four games and they just can't do it because of the older guys on the team, because they go over the cliff the way they did last year. Um, but I mean, I'm excited that this is an interesting team. There is nothing that I look at this team and say, well, they have this locked up and this locked up and it's right. definitely going to go this way. And that's what you want. You don't want to cover a team that just has, you know, sure things across the board, whether sure thing bad or sure thing good. Mm-hmm. I, I like the mystery that this team has right now. We're going to take a quick break here, but we'll be right back with more from Brooke Pryor of ESPN right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. But first, a word from our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag, the only place that we trust here in the Locked On Podcast Network to place bets on. Even though football season's over, there's a ton of different ways to make money by gambling on sports right now. If you go to BetOnline.ag today and sign up for your free account, you'll get a 50% bonus to your first deposit simply by entering the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters and all one word. And that will get you your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Right now, sure, the NFL is done, but you can put money down on where certain free agents might be going in the NFL. You can also bet on college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. All different ways to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. BetOnline.ag. Remember, use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters, all one words, to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Brooke Pryor of ESPN. We're continuing our discussion about the national media's narratives with the Steelers, getting right back into it right here. Right. There's several different directions this team could go. I mean, one, for one thing, you know, when when they were when they were playing their best last season, they had a they, they had a balanced attack and that was without a primary running back. You know, they were averaging like 130 yards on the ground through seven games at one, you know, at, at, at last year. And I think that was a big part of why they had their early success. And, and funny enough, you know, for Marlon Humphrey, he was like, you know, I could hear the Steelers pl- uh, plays before they happen. It's like, well, you guys got swept. So, like, what did that do for you? Like, you know, like exactly it, you, know, you, you, you didn't you didn't exactly exploit that 
too well. Uh, you know, right. and and the Steelers didn't even play that well in the second Ravens game. You know, they they, they were very beatable in that game. Uh, in the first game, again, they it came down to a final play where Minka Fitzpatrick broke up a pass. So, you know, it's it's interesting to hear those things. I just I I look at this team and I see okay, where are the places that people see the the realistic biggest struggles on the team? Because for me. It, you know, I still see this team as, you know, with Devin Bush back. And I think a lot of people are overlooking the importance of his return to the defense and what he can do both in covering the pass over the middle of the field and in stopping the run. Because when he was on there, I mean, that man was shutting down Saquon Barkley. He was, you know, people that, you know, you know, people, people were having a hard time running on the Steelers when Devin Bush was out there and with him back in the fold. And again, they have to be healthy. Like the, you know, Cam Hayward can't go down. Stephon Tewitt can't go down. TJ Watt can't go down. Um, and they could probably suffer like one of those injuries in the middle of the defensive line, but you know, they, they're going to need their guys. But if those guys are healthy, you know, the front seven's okay. I, I, I think that they, they could be comfortable there. Um, I think make Fitzpatrick is still the best safety in football. You know, maybe Derwin James has a resurgent year after his injury. Uh, you know, Terrell Edmonds is decent enough. Joe Hayden's still out there. He looked good last year and people are saying, keep saying he's going to fall off, but he hasn't yet. Um, you know, you have a question, can Cam Sutton play the outside corner every single play? That's a question. You don't know who's going to be slot corner. I get that. Um, but it's like, if those are the questions, like, like if those are the questions on the chiefs defense right now, everyone would be saying that's a great defense. And, and I just, I, I don't think that that's a big problem. So if, if I look to where people are pointing, it keeps coming back to Ben Roethlisberger. And, and I think that the big thing with Ben and, and what happened in his collapse, it wasn't that his arm fell off. It wasn't that it was impossible. It was that the Steelers offense was too reliant on those short passes on those. Yep. I mean, the, the, you remember you were in Cincinnati for the, for the Bengals game when uh, Juju took the big hit and fumbled. Um, I think it was mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Ohio state guy. I can't remember his, his name right now. The, the, the player that hit him. Um, but uh, I want to say yeah, you're talking about Ron it. It's Elliott. the off season. Right. It's the off season. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but point being this guy, like, and, you know, said I targeted him and you could see on film, he, he did a 20 yard sprint to Juju like three seconds before Ben even threw the ball and blew him up. And that overlooked Chase Claypool being wide open for a touchdown deep down the field. I think a lot of that, and this is a personal theory of mine. A lot of that is because they threw the ball. They tried to do too much of the dink and dunk and that Ben Roethlisberger, he he can be cerebral for a short periods of time, but when you ask him to try to play like Tom Brady for an entire season, that's when he runs into problems, and that's why I think it's vital for them to get a Najee Harris type of type of running game going, where he's dominating the game and pushing things forward. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. I I think that the biggest thing that dropped off with Ben at the end of the season was his decision making, which is a crazy thing to say for a guy that's been playing as long as he has. I mean, this isn't a rookie that's panicking in the situation, but you just saw some of the throws he made, like not only were they bad throws, but they were just like, bro, why are you targeting it here? Like, where are you looking? Exactly. Like you're throwing into double coverage, triple coverage. It just, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where the change at coordinator is going to help a ton um, I'm interested to see how much more trust he built up with Canada in this last off season, because that's going to be, that relationship is going to be huge to having the Steelers have success because Randy Feekner was his guy for a long time. And that didn't seem to matter late in the season. It Randy got thrown under the bus, then Randy's throwing Ben under the bus. And that was just, 
a messy situation. So it's clear that that was going to be untenable. I don't know if it will help that Ben and Matt Canada don't have this decades long relationship or however long relationship that Matt can say, no, we're going to do this. You know, will Ben listen to that? I don't know. But um, I think that having Najee Harris is huge. Because like you said, the balanced attack is something that they just didn't have. In the second half of the season, James Conner did what James Conner tends to do, where he peaks early and then falls off, and you never hear from him again. I don't think you have to worry about that with Najee. Um, And, I mean, the offensive line is still a huge question. Um, Even though we like the direction that they're going, I still – if it takes eight games for this unit to glue, it's going to be an ugly first eight games, and that's not going to help them get off to the to build this this great start that they did last year that ultimately helped them make the playoffs so I I think that they're going to be some growing pains in this team which stinks because I've said this before but this is a team that to me very much feels like it's an identity crisis like they want to win for Ben they wanted to give him one more year one Mm -hmm. more chance Mm -hmm. but they're also building for the future at the same time and they were kind of caught in this no man's land where they didn't have the cap space to give Ben some of the veterans that he needs on the line or, you know, sign an expensive um, defense player, go out and get, you know, another quarterback instead of Steve Nelson um, sign, you know, a free agent running back, whatever. So instead they're having to build through the draft, which the Steelers are really good at doing, but how quickly can you see returns on those investments knowing that Ben's, I mean, they keep giving him just a little bit more time and a little bit more time, but the time is rapidly running out. Can you get these guys turned around and in playoff shape working with these restrictions? That to me is the biggest question. And that's why this team, I think that they should have gone either like all in one way or the other, but it's also hard to say you should have gone all in on giving Ben one more shot when you didn't have the money to do it. And you needed to really spend big at some positions to make it happen. I certainly think that that's a that's a, where a lot of people are looking at is one, how can you protect Ben Roethlisberger from trying to do too much like you saw him at the end of the last year? And then also, two, how quickly will some of those new pieces that you added like, you know, Cam Hayward talked about on Tuesday how excited he was to to, to, to you know, about new running back, new tight end, you know, new offensive line coach. New, but how quickly, new center, how quickly do these guys integrate into what they need to get done? That's certainly a question. That's where we got to end it today. Brooke, thanks so much for all your time today. It's always great to have you on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Um, please let people know they can find you, follow you, and see more of your work. You can follow me on Twitter at BE Pryor um, and on ESPN.com under the NFL tab and then the Steelers blog you can find from there. Awesome. Do check out Brooke Pryor. She does amazing work. Also appears on Get Up, Get Up, and like all these other things that ESPN does. So uh, she's she's awesome. Um, you know. But thanks again, Brooke, for your time. We always appreciate you coming here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I do have a TikTok. I don't post yet though. Um, but uh, at Carter Critiques is my handle for all of those. Thanks so much to those who follow me. Um, you can also join the Locked On Steelers Facebook group by searching Locked On Steelers on Facebook, asking to join the group. We'll add you as soon as possible. And you can subscribe to the Locked On Steelers podcast 
on you know, on Apple, Google Podcasts, uh, Odyssey, and Spotify, of course. And if you're enjoying my work here, read my work at DKPittsburghSports.com. Also, when you leave five-star reviews with positive comments for the Lockdown Steelers podcast, you get a shout-out like this person who says, Steel Heel 07, um, says, Lockdown Steelers Thursday, fellas, should be known as the Steel, the Three Steel Amigos. Great show. We, the, Long story short, Brooke, we, there's three of us on the Wednesday on the Wednesday edition of the show. And we called ourselves the fellas. And then there was a poll about what we should call ourselves. And someone said the, the winning answer was Charlie's angels. And we were just like, we can't, we can't. <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, uh, thanks again for listening to lock on Steelers podcast. We're wrapping up the week with Jenna Harner as usual. Tune in. It's going to be an exciting show. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.